Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to share that I am, for the first time ever, podcasting in front of my husband, and it's weird. It's so weird. I could see him side-eyeing me and judging me for talking to myself into a microphone. Are you judging me? You can answer. No, he's shaking his head no. Today I have two exciting topics for you. The first is that we're going to talk about the recent ban uh, by the Portugal or Portuguese government saying that bosses cannot text their employees after work, making that illegal. And the second is that I'm going to have my husband ask frequently asked questions to me so that I can answer. So it's almost like a this is almost like a talk show. Um, and the reason why he's here while I'm podcasting is because I'm traveling for work and he came with me and I thought it would be kind of fun to have someone else on the podcast. You just, you know, just out of the blue. Um, I totally sprung this on him. So if he doesn't do a good job, blame him. not me. <laughs> he's laughing anyway. So don't forget to rate review and subscribe. If you haven't already share this podcast with a friend and let's kick it off. Okay, so the government in Portugal, like I mentioned, has recently put a ban on bosses texting or contacting their employees after work and also instituted a policy where if they do do that, if they do contact their employees after work hours, that they will be subjected to fines. Um, What I read in this article, which of course I will link in the show notes as I always do, is that actually Germany in 2013 instituted a very similar ban for these same type of reasons. So clearly this is not a new thing, but I think considering we're in 2021 and this is quote unquote post pandemic, even though we are still in the pandemic, I think that it just probably caught more um, attention from the news, especially internationally, because the big topic of concern is work-life balance, especially in the U.S. where we're having a huge labor shortage. And so work-life balance is a big part of you know, attracting talent, even though when there's a labor shortage, it means that work-life balance is not necessarily so abundant because there are fewer people doing just as much work. Anyway, all of this or this law came out from uh, the discussion, I guess, by the, it seems like by the Socialist Party in Portugal, basically looking to improve work-life balance um, for the country's remote workforce. Um, And naturally, this expanded in COVID-19 or during COVID-19. And through the article, it's saying that actually France, Spain, Belgium, Slovakia, Italy, Philippines, Argentina, India, and a few others are also enjoying the right to disconnect um, or basically allow the, the employee to remove themselves from working or communicating with their employers without fear of retaliation and just in general without retaliation. So that's really interesting. And um, I was speaking with with my husband about this before, and he thinks that this is a great idea, and I definitely agree. I think the challenge in the U.S. especially is that many industries never really stop. So I think about my own industry and being in retail where it's not necessarily 24-7, but in a way it is because there's always an employee that needs your support 
And it's one of those industries that always has that um, real need to be, quote unquote, on call. So I can imagine that if there was a focus on work-life balance, that this would force employers to think differently. And in one of the last episodes that I recorded, I talked about how I think that the uh, market, the job market and how employee demands in general really influence how businesses operate. So this will be interesting to see play out. I think COVID had a huge impact on how um, employees work and how bosses or employers review employee performance and productivity. I was just speaking with um, actually the the woman who won my giveaway on Instagram a few weeks ago, and she the giveaway she won was a resume review and um, coaching like career coaching um, discussion. And so we were talking about how um, her interest in looking for something hybrid or potentially fully remote, depending on you know where she is in life. But like especially since she'll be getting married and she wants to focus more on on you know, balancing her professional career and her personal life, which I totally get, um, that that is something that she's really, you know, COVID has helped in some ways because there are more opportunities, but that it's still an opportunity and it's still a challenge because there are businesses that are fully going back. Um, And the job that she's in now is 100% in office. So um, it'll be interesting, I think, to listen back to that episode from a couple weeks ago where I've made those predictions on how the workforce has, will change and how employers will change based on how the workforce changes. It'll be interesting to come back to this. But I do think that the Portuguese government rolling out this ban is probably just the beginning of a domino effect for these other countries um, that I listed before, but potentially even the U.S. and Canada. And actually, speaking of Canada, it looks as though the Ontario um government, which is, uh, Ontario is a province in Canada, naturally, um, they are also looking at legislation that would require employers to establish a written policy around expectations for response time with emails um, and specifically encouraging employees to turn on out-of-office notifications. This makes total sense to me because I think Canada is very progressive with their laws and um, policies from uh, really their very employee um beneficial, like very employee focused. So just like California and New York are very pro-employee, so to speak, not that there's, you know, not that the employee and the employer are against one another, but governments can be more employee friendly or more employer friendly. And Ontario especially, but also British Columbia tend to be very employee friendly from my experience. In general, I think with the U.S., what we'll see is the state by state rollout naturally because you know the government on the federal level almost never rolls out something that is so you know uh, detailed in like the employee experience for example with the exception of the vaccine mandate this is probably the first mandate that i've ever seen where the federal government has become so involved Um, normally it's the state or local governments that are really deciding those things Um, But I think it makes sense. Again, if you go back to my vaccine mandate podcast episode, you'll hear my thoughts on that. But um, for sure, I think that, you know, we could probably see California rolling out a policy like this first and then New York, maybe Oregon. They they tend to be pretty progressive as well. And then maybe New Jersey, some of those other um, states where we're really seeing those um, employee favored policies and laws um, come into play. 
And definitely, I mean, California has always led the charge with things like this. So I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Um, and this news, actually, this news about um, the Portuguese government rolling out this ban, I found out from my sister, who is not in HR. She works in a government organization, basically, or for the government. Um, and she was like, oh, did you hear about this? And actually, I had not at the time that she told me. And she was like, I think this is great. Like, people will be able to have some balance and create separation. But again, when I think about this with a more critical lens, I think, yes, it's great for the employee. But there are so many situations where the employer does need to reach out. Um, and that, you know, I think it, it really depends on what the the minutia looks like and what the details of the policy look like. Because if an employer needs to reach out because the, you know, shift for the next day is uncovered, that's something that they would need to be able to reach out to their employees about and not wait because that means that it's impacting the business negatively. So I think it really depends on what, you know, specifically the policies are going to stipulate. Um, but I, I also think that what we'll see in the States is potentially like a maybe um, almost a differential. So like when you do reach out, it's a certain amount of time or, you know, you pay like 15 minutes or if you send a text that you pay a certain amount um, for the employee versus a fine. Um, I don't know that the fine system in this type of law or policy would work necessarily as well, knowing the culture of the U.S. workforce um, and even just in general being like a capitalist society. I just don't see this fitting the same way with a, you know, fine if you did something wrong uh, situation. But I do think that there would be a penalty pay, for example, which is something that, that California and other states have. For example, if someone has not taken their meal when they've they are supposed to, or if the, the organization or the company um, prevents the employee from taking a meal or, you know, deducts pay or anything like that. Those are things that come with penalty pay versus a fine. Even though the company is still subjected to a fine potentially, um, it's the penalty pay that allows the employee to be taken care of and in some ways reduces or mitigates the risk of um, litigation for the company because as long as the employee is being paid most of the time, they're not going to worry too much about what is or isn't happening in line with law or the law, but obviously companies should be focused on doing the right thing always. Um, but I definitely, that's my prediction. That's my formal prediction that if this arrives to the U.S., it's going to start with California and it won't necessarily be a fine-based law, but rather a penalty pay-based um, policy. We'll see. Stay tuned. Anyway, that is that on Portugal and that ban. Now I would love to answer some of these FAQs and I'm going to pass the mic to my husband. Okay, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm uh, Evan, Tracy's husband, and I'm here to answer some frequently asked questions. All right, what's the first question? The first question is, what is the best way to get noticed when I send my resume for recruiters? Okay, what is the best way I can be noticed when I send my resume to recruiters? The first thing is to make sure that it's clear and legible and in PDF format. There is something about receiving a Word document as a resume that just reads that you were not prepared. Because when you send a Word document, it means you threw it together really fast and you were still editing it the moment you were sending it out. But if you put it in PDF form, not only is it searchable by 
applicant tracking systems, but it's also just a little bit more professional because nothing can be edited or changed accidentally by the recruiter. But also, stay pretty conservative with your resume unless you are applying into an industry or looking to get into an industry that is very, very creative. Um, because it, it technically, recruiters, I would say, are a little bit more focused on the content and not necessarily the way that you know, which colors you used and, and your picture being there and things like that. Um, the other thing that I would say as far as being noticed is thinking about your format. So you want to make sure that your whatever you are bolding, italicizing, and underlining is what you want the recruiter to see first. So if you are bolding the name of the company, then the recruiter is going to focus more on the company rather than the job title. And the job title tends to be one of the more important parts of your resume because that shows your experience. So I would say start there um, and really, again, make sure that your resume is very tidy, that there aren't grammatical errors. I know that, you know, you go on LinkedIn and it's like, don't forget to make sure that you proofread your resume. But actually the reason why it's, <laughs> you can laugh, it's okay. I've been smiling and trying to hold in a laugh because I'm holding the mic. But Actually, the issue is that we have to keep saying that because there are always grammatical errors and there are always issues and typos. And actually, I found a typo on my resume a couple years ago and I was like, I am not following my own advice. So go through it and then have someone else with a, you know, who has no idea what to expect, have them read through it so they can give you some honest feedback. What's the second question? Question number two. <laughs> I'm burnt out. I've spoken to my boss but we're understaffed. What do I do? Love my job, but I can't do this for much longer. Oh, that's sad. Okay, well, okay, so th the key here is that you're burnt out. You love your job, but you're burnt out. Your boss is probably also burnt out because it sounds like you've spoken with them. Um, and on top of that, you are understaffed, so it's not like you can just easily take some PTO. It sounds like that is what the situation is. So my first piece of advice, even as an employer or a representative of an employer, is to worry about yourself. If you need to take time off, even if, if it feels like you can't, you need to take time off. Um, and, and actually, one of the things that I did before, um, before even like the, my new job and a few months before leaving my last job, I took days that made weekends a little bit longer. So it was like one day here, one day there. And even though it's not a long period of time and you probably need a long period of time off in order to kind of get your wind back, it's still something. Um, and when you are off, when you're taking that time, whether it's a day or over the weekend, make sure you're actually separating yourself. Like every intention that you have to give yourself a break will be time well spent. So um, and I've, I've shared this with my friends um, that, who feel the same way, that you need to worry about yourself first. And it's really going to be up to your boss to figure it out, like to figure out how they're going to give you time off, how they're going to give themselves time off, and how they're going to make sure that they don't remain understaffed for too much longer. And then on top of that, I think a lot of organizations now are sending out their surveys for the year um, or ahead of you know 2022. And you should be honest about how you feel because that's where change can really happen. I hope that you get some rest. I know you're not alone there. All right. I think there's one more question, right, Evan? The third and final question. How do you allow terminations to affect you emotionally? How do I allow them? 
Or how do you not allow termination oh, okay. to affect so, you emotionally? I was going to say, I really try not to. How do I, how, so basically, how do I prevent terminations from affecting me? How do I let them roll off my shoulder? Um, this is a good question because, Evan, I think you have seen over the course of my career where there are certain terminations that I kind of carry with me for a few hours after the termination or before the termination. Um, and I think I actually spoke about this on a previous podcast episode that before terminations, I, I have like some anxiety, almost like some stress about it because you realize if you're thinking about the person, you realize that, you know, this is their employment, this is their livelihood, they might have kids, they might have family members that are depending on them. And it's really not easy to have to go into a situation where you're terminating someone um, knowingly. So um, what I do to not allow it affect, to affect me emotionally is I just do my job. I remember that this is not something personal um, and I don't allow it to affect me personally. So, you know, recently in the last few months, I've had to terminate people naturally and they've not always been very easy conversations um, but the reality is, and I always, I tend to always say this to the person that I'm terminating, this isn't a personal decision. This is purely um, a business decision and a professional one. And we wish you the best of luck. And actually, I really mean what I say. Um, you know, just because someone's being terminated doesn't mean that they're like a terrible person. So for me, I really try to separate, my, you know, what I'm doing professionally from how I feel personally. Um, and even though it definitely still has an impact because I realize that this is someone's employment and livelihood. I do my best to separate it. And, and really, I think one of the things that also helps me process what is happening is that I just kind of am very direct and cut right to the chase with the person because the last thing that someone wants when they're being terminated is to have a conversation drag on and on and on because you can imagine the emotions they're, they're feeling embarrassment, disappointment, um, you know, I don't know, failure, all of those things are very heavy emotions and you kind of just want to get it over with um, and be kind but direct. And that definitely helps because you can kind of walk away feeling good that you did, you know, you did do your job and that you didn't make it any more painful than it needed to be. So those are my tips. Evan, thank you for participating. Do you want to say anything else? Say hi to all the followers, and I hope you have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Some wonderful insight. I wonder, you know, let me know if you like this little talk show setup. I'll have to have Evan as a special guest more often. Maybe, I mean, he doesn't usually get to travel for um, with me when I travel for work, so this was a special occasion, but um, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do something like this a little bit more regularly. You got, you're more comfortable with the microphone. That's great, Evan. Well done. Well, thank you all for being here. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, give the video a thumbs up. And I will see you next week.